welcome to the Lifestyled Podcast. My name is Erin and I'm your host. You might know me from my YouTube channel or my blog by Erin Elizabeth. In this podcast, we're going to be having genuine and candid conversations with real people discussing a whole bunch of lifestyle topics, including everything from style and beauty to wellness and career to hopefully inspire you and empower you to live life your way. So with that said, let's jump on into today's episode. Hi guys, how's it going? Welcome back to the podcast. Today's episode, we are going to be sitting down and talking all about travel. So I'm going to be having a chat with Eileen Aldis and I actually met Eileen on a trip to Taiwan that I took a couple years back with Air Canada and Taiwan Tourism. She was just the nicest person ever. Her and her partner Mark travel together and create some amazing content of all of their travels. And yeah, she's just one of those people who is so, so sweet and so genuine. And I knew when I started my podcast, she was someone I really wanted to have a conversation with because I'm super passionate about travel and I know her and her partner are too. So I thought who better to sit and talk about travel than Eileen. So yeah, we're just going to get into a fun, a fun little chat all about creating content while traveling, how to get started traveling, um, getting started creating content while traveling as well, and all of the fun stuff that goes along with it. So if you are a major wanderlust, then this episode is for you. So without further ado, let's welcome Eileen onto the podcast. Well, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. You're my actual like first official guest other than Kyle that I'm interviewing. <laughs> really? Oh, that's so yeah. exciting. I feel very honored. Of thank course. you. <laughs> um, so yeah, this is like my first round of interviewing too. We're both like in the same same boat here. <laughs> so yeah, I'd just love if you could tell us like how you got started with traveling and life before content creation, all of that jazz. Life before content creation. <laughs> No, I'm just kidding. Well, I guess the the way it started with travel was really young. I was lucky to have, or am lucky to have parents that also loved to travel. So I feel like I got the travel bug fairly early on. And I t- took a plane for the first time, quote unquote, by myself when I was 11 to go visit one of my best friends who had just moved to Tennessee. And you are one of those kids walking through the airport who has the little sign around their neck that basically says, don't steal me. Oh my gosh. (laughs) Or it might as well, because it says unaccompanied minor. (laughs) So that was my first uh, solo plane trip. And then I, you know, I just tried to, any way that I could find a way to travel or to make or incorporate travel part of something that I was already doing. I try so hard to do. So ever since then, you know, in high school, um, I did a a French course in Paris, which was absolutely incredible. And then I did a Rotary Youth Exchange in Germany during my gap year, well, created a gap year between high school and university. And, you know, I did an internship in Berlin during university. So I've just tried to find, you know, ways of making travel part of something that you want to do anyway. Um, and that actually, you know, followed me all the way to my master's degree because um, I ended up doing that in Australia at the University of Sydney because I just, I love traveling so much. And um, my partner now, who is Mark, <laughs> who's the other half of our YouTube channel, I met him traveling in Iceland. So, you know, it seems very appropriate. We met, like I met you, we met at an airport actually, or just outside an airport. 
And that was over 12 years ago. And so ever since then, you know, two people who love to travel meet and you can't stop them from traveling after that. No, for real. It's so true. And I feel like I always had the travel bug, like from such an early age, but my partner, Kyle, just did not. He had no interest in it whatsoever. And I was like, but we have to. So I ended up forcing him to go on a tour throughout Europe. Um, And then after that, I feel like he caught the bug and we started traveling. But yeah, I feel like it's good to have that ingrained in you at such a young age and realize it's not this big, scary thing and you can explore and do things. And there's very friendly and kind people willing to help out like anywhere in the world. I feel like as you get older, most people fear traveling. Mm-hmm. Just what, what else, is, like what's outside of your normal um, can mm-hmm. scare people. Cause I know before going to Europe, I was like, Oh my God, it's so scary. <laughs> Just being like outside of Canada. Yeah. It, I can totally relate to that. I mean, it, it can be scary, you know, to go to a new place and every time you go to a new place, it's a new place. So you don't know what to expect. Right. But if you've been to, you know, 50 other countries, you haven't been to that country before. So that's part of what I like about travel is that in a way it's always a new experience. Um, because even going back to a country, you're not going to have the same experience every single time, or at least, at least in my experience. So I, I think it's it's so valid to feel afraid and to just kind of lean into it and be comfortable with it and then, you know, do it anyway. And you're going to yeah. feel so good after. Yeah, exactly. You always feel so good after. So I'm curious, your partner, Mark, is he Canadian too? And you both met overseas? Yes, he's Canadian. Uh, he's from Calgary in Alberta. He's okay, I thought Mountain. I originally thought you were from the same town too. I'm like, how wild to meet like somewhere else in the world I and be know. from the same town. Well, it's funny because I'm from Ontario. He's from Alberta, and um, at the time I had so it was the summer after I graduated from undergrad at U of T, the University of Toronto, um, and it was a program called Snorri, which is a bursary program that's sort of partnered with the government in Iceland to bring back what they call Western Icelanders. So that's people who have Icelandic heritage. So both Mark and I, our families are Icelandic and they emigrated to Canada. And so those people with that heritage can apply to this bursary program and you go to Iceland, you try to learn the language, you meet you know, extended relatives and you work. So it's an amazing program and we were so lucky to meet on that and then have you know six six weeks of intensive travel to get to know each other so yeah. yes <laughs> that's crazy and now you guys work doing all of your travel content together how do you yes. manage that <laughs> you know very easily I, I I feel so lucky to have a partner who you know we have so much in common and um he's such a creative person and a collaborative person. So we actually have a lot of fun just being together all the time. You know, I, I joke that during this pandemic, um, you know, people who aren't used to being together all the time, it's kind of a a new experience, but I'm so used to being within, you know, 10 feet of Mark most of the time when we're on the road, almost all the time. Um, that it's, it hasn't been a, a real change or transition for us. So we, we really have a lot of fun working together, actually. That's good. I feel like that's rare because most people end up wanting to rip each other's heads off at some point. <laughs> I mean, you have those moments for sure. 
<laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I guess when you're with someone 24-7, you'll, you'll eventually snap. But as long as you can get on for the majority oh, of yeah. the time, you're good to go. And you guys Even work so, yeah, you guys work so well together too. Like your videos are oh, incredible. I'd love to know a little bit more of what goes into how you guys work out planning your trips because I know that can be overwhelming for a lot of people. Like for Kyle and I, he plans all of our trips. Like he's really into the nitty gritty. He loves knowing, okay, this is what we're going to see. This is where we should stay, like this type of area. So how do you guys go about planning for a bigger trip or a longer trip or, or just anything in general? Oh, that's such a good question. And it, the answer is it really depends. Um, I feel like it's a little bit different when you're sort of in our situation where normally we're on the road and you're traveling for you know a longer period of time um, rather than planning you know a, a vacation or a holiday to you know one destination or a group of, or of countries or something. I tend to fall in between being a planner and a non-planner <laughs> and I think it's it's good to to not get too far one way or the other you know, it's, it's really good to plan ahead in the sense that, you know, you don't want to go somewhere and come back and have someone say, oh, did you see this? And you didn't even know it was there, you know, because you, you want to make the most of your time there. On the other hand, I think it's really important not to over schedule yourself and to, you know, leave time to just wander. That's one of my favorite words for traveling is just to wander and soak up the place that you're in. And my favorite way to do that is usually walking around. Um, you sort of get the pace of a place and you smell all the, the cooking and the food and you hear the sounds of wherever you are and just kind of take it in at a slower pace. I really love to do that. But I think it depends where you're going as well. Um, you know, some places, you might have to, you know, book a hike on a specific trail six months in advance or something. So obviously that's a place where you want to make sure that you, you plan ahead. Or if you want to book tickets for something, I'm finding the more that we travel, actually, you know, a lot of places are going to this method of instead of a first come first serve where you wait in a big long line, you have to reserve, say, online ahead of time, and it could be months ahead of time. And they either have no, you know, tickets at the door, or they have a very small amount. So if you don't plan ahead, you, you know, you might not be able to go up. Even something like the Eiffel Tower, um, you know, places can really book up, uh, or the Anne Frank House in Amsterdam. So I feel like, you know, more and more because. And this is all speaking before the pandemic, obviously. But yeah, I was going to say, I feel like that'll happen yeah. a lot quicker now. Like that'll <laughs> yeah. be a must. Exactly. That's changed everything. But I think beforehand, because there were so many um, tourists in, in certain parts of the world that they sort of had to, in a way, transition to more of the planning. So I feel like at least before the pandemic, planning had become much more important than it was before. So like in 2009, um, Mark and I did a trip to Southeast Asia, and we literally just bought tickets. Uh, we arrived in Bangkok. We knew where we were staying for the first, I think, three or four nights, and that was it. Like, we had no other plans for the next six weeks, I think it was. So I like doing stuff like that, too, but it, it can be a little more stressful. So, you know, if it's your first time traveling, you might not you want to go that route um, right away, or if you're going to a place where there are a lot of people, uh, you know, you might not want to get stuck without a hotel room, which does happen when you leave it to chance like that sometimes. 
Oh yeah. Yeah. You would not want that. I think that's my biggest fear when traveling is I just need to have my hotel rooms booked. Everything else I can kind of fly by the seat of my pants, but as long as I know (laughs) that I have somewhere to stay, I'm good to go. Um, That was actually another one of my questions was how do you think like things are going to change now that COVID has obviously changed the entire world and the travel industry has been hit probably the hardest. Yeah. Just moving forward, you know, and how does that affect you as well, where this is the the main source of your content? And yeah, it's a strange time. Um, we had, you know, all our travels that were planned for this year have been um, postponed, deferred, canceled in some cases. So we don't, we don't have any current plans. Um, I think like a lot of people, it's hard because I feel like everyone has a, a different threshold for risk and, you know, how much risk they're willing to take on in order to go on a holiday. So everyone's answer will be a little bit um, different. I think domestic travel um, already we're seeing open up uh, much more quickly, of course, than international travel. I think because of, you know, the difficulties involved now with getting insurance, <laughs> um, that's obviously a huge question for for people who are traveling ever. And then of course, during this time. So I think people will be leaning towards staying a little closer to home. And it gives us great opportunity too to explore your own backyard, you know, cause it's, it's easy to forget all of the, the wonder that, you know, exists. I live in Ontario and there's some really beautiful places in Ontario. So it, it gives you a chance to kind of explore your own backyard a little bit, which I think is nice. I know also, you know, different countries are reopening with different, um, different rules at different times. So it's all very complicated when it comes to traveling somewhere in a different country where you might be transiting through other countries with different rules. And depending upon your citizenship, you know, that's going to affect you at the this moment as well. So um, I think it's it's really it's really hard to say. I, I think that luxury travel is going to be um, probably faster to open up because of course when you have the luxury of a bigger budget you can afford to literally pay for some distance between you and other people. So you know I've been on on industry calls um, where people are talking about luxury travel clients are really excited to get traveling because they have the privilege of you know maybe renting a private plane um, and controlling who's immediately around them or you know flying to a a ranch in Wyoming or a villa in Tuscany or Mexico or something where you really can put a lot of space between you and other people. But for most of us, that's not a reality. Um, so I think it's, it's a real possibility that for the average traveler, the cost of travel will increase depending on how things kind of unfold. You know, with airlines, there's this question of how many how many people can you have on a flight? Um, are those rules that have sort of been changing this whole time? How are they going to play out? So it's really it's really hard to say. It's going to be interesting to see how it happens. Yeah, I'm, I'm interested to see how it unfolds too. Not that I had anything major planned, but even for 2021, I was thinking of going back to Asia. And I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't even know when it'll be safe to do to do things like that. So I guess domestic travel will probably increase a lot. People will be traveling within their own countries, like you said, exploring their own backyards. Um, I'm in Ontario too. So like there is a lot of great stuff around here. And I think a lot of people, when they think of travel, it has to be some big extravagant thing away from home. And most people don't (laughs) explore their (laughs) own homes as much as they probably should. But yeah, maybe it's a good time to like get back to basics a little bit, explore what's around you um, and really appreciate 
all of the beauty in your own country type of thing. Yeah, and RVing, camping, all of that is really blown up. So I think people just have to, you know, as you say, kind of reframe how you look at travel and what gives you that feeling of exploring and curiosity and wonder and just find a different way to, to do that. Yeah, get out in nature a little bit more too, I think, because, you know, nobody wants to be stuck inside in a crowd of people. So it's nice to actually explore the outdoors and have your distance. So yeah, camping, RVing, I've seen a lot of people start picking that up. I think that'll be a lot of fun. And hopefully that doesn't go away because I love that kind of travel. Kyle and I did a road trip around New Zealand and that was one of our favorite trips ever just because we were outside we were exploring the country just doing our own thing yeah it was Isn't the best it gorgeous there oh my gosh i would go back in a heartbeat i think it's one of the most incredible places you can do a road trip yeah a hundred percent i also want to know how do you guys plan your content around your traveling because I always found that really tricky to navigate because it's like you want to enjoy where you are, but then you also need to capture where you are. And it's, it's a tricky little balance. And also, I guess this will be like a two-parted question, but when you're traveling for work trips, the difference between traveling for pleasure, because when you're on a work trip, you're really there to capture and you're there to capture first. And um, I think a lot of people think like, oh, you just get to travel for a living or do whatever, but it's it's not the case at all. <laughs> you mean a work trip as in like a press trip or something? Yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's such a good question. Well, for the first part about planning content, um, it, it, I guess it comes down to the destination a little bit um, and how long we're in a place. Um, for Or maybe I should go to the press trip question because you and I met on a press trip in mm-hmm. Taiwan yeah. <laughs> very briefly. <laughs> um, and that was interesting because the, the t- trip was what 10 days and we did a lot we did a lot yeah. yeah so we and that's the nice thing about press trips is that you you do fit a lot into one day mm-hmm. because someone else is you know covering the planning and usually getting you between places which saves you a lot of time yeah so that's wonderful because then you can you know you can you can capture a lot more um, content. And we ended up after the press trip doing a little more travel around Asia and then returning to Taiwan. So our whole Taiwan series, I think is about 13, 13 videos. And um, yeah, so in the end, you know, and, and that was a combination of different things, but our official video for, you know, Air Canada and Taiwan Tourism was just one video, but then we loved it so much and we just found that naturally we did so many things and had so much to say about Taiwan and we had that benefit of time that we added another 12 videos to the series. We've been to countries where, you know, we're there for maybe three days and we make as many videos, (laughs) um, which, you know, can feel like a lot. But it's hard to say with planning because, um, you know, you might go to a place where the local cuisine isn't really a thing, for example. I mean, we love making food content, but if you go to a country where it's not so popular or unique, then obviously that's not maybe going to be a focus. So it really kind of depends on the destination, I think, and that informs kind of what the content ends up being. Hope that makes sense. (laughs) Yeah, no, totally. I find that interesting because I feel like when I started traveling, I was traveling for the most part, like I really, really wanted to capture content while I was there. And I'd find myself going to certain destinations or doing certain things just because I wanted to capture the content there, like maybe take a 
picture in front of something or grab (laughs) those video shots. Whereas now I feel like I'm much more intentional about what I capture when I'm traveling. Like, well, I guess it depends. Cause like you said, if you're on a press trip, like you're there to do what you're there to do. They usually have the itinerary set out for you. And that's what you're supposed to capture and put your own spin on things and what you recommend about the country and all of that. But when we're on our own. Yeah. I found myself, I don't know how to explain it really, but yeah, I'd get caught up in like the getting those perfect shots that I'd forget to live in the moment a little bit. And now, like I was saying, I'm much more intentional about when I go traveling and I know, okay, this is what we're actually going to do. We want to see these destinations. Like we want to see whatever temple or, or go to whatever restaurant and I'll capture while I'm there rather than capturing just because I want the content for it does that make sense have you ever struggled with that (laughs) I feel like you know this is such a um it's a it's a skill to be able to stay in the moment and I, I think that about life too you know like you for me I'm always trying to bring myself back to the present and you know just stay grounded in what's happening right now and I feel like that is the case for travel vlogging too because you're so right you're you're kind of on sensory overload and you're in a new place and you really want to share everything that you are feeling and experiencing and tasting and smelling and hearing to your, um, the people watching your videos, but it can be difficult to do all of that well, um, in a way that, you know, um, from a storytelling point of view will actually translate and, you know, make sense. (laughs) So, you know, I think it's, you know, yeah, it's, and sometimes you don't really know until you get, you get to the place and you just learn to be good on your feet and you know exactly, um, you know, what, what will work in terms of a shot or whatever, but usually, you know, it's just on the fly and um, you just have to be on your feet in the moment, I guess. So do you, like, before you go on a trip, if you're going to, like, Paris or whatever, you're like, okay, I know beforehand I want to make a Paris food video and get all of these restaurants or whatever, and I know I want to get one with some of the sites, so I want to see the Eiffel Tower and this and that. Like, do you sort of plan like that? and sort of have an outline, okay, I want about five videos out of this trip, or do you just kind of go? Honestly, probably more than we just go. Oh, really? Oh my gosh, (laughs) I would die. (laughs) This is going to make me sound like a real risk taker. (laughs) No, it's, it depends. I mean, truthfully, the answer is more, is more just go and experience it and, and kind of figure it out. I usually have places in mind that I would like to go. But the truth is that with the way that we travel most of the time, because, you know, you're, for example, like our last trip, um, before the pandemic, dun, dun, dun. <laughs> we were in Europe from September to Christmas, and we didn't know after the first two countries where we were going to go. So I don't really, because I don't have the benefit of time knowing ahead of, you know, schedule what, even what country I'm going to be in, um, it means that I have to decide all of that. We have to decide all of that on the road. And you know that when you're traveling and you don't know where you're staying or how to get there or how to get money or speak the language, you don't have a lot of time for planning necessarily because you're just trying to plan the day to day at the same time. So it, I guess the way it sounds is a little chaotic, but it does work out, I promise. <laughs> I know, I'm like getting anxiety here in this. <laughs> I know how before I said, like, I'm kind of in the middle where I like to plan and like to not, but okay, I like to plan more than that. 
but I appreciate people who could do that. I wish I could be more like, oh, let's just, you know, roll with it and we'll figure it out as we go. Um, and I feel like that's what gave me a lot of anxiety before was before going on a trip, I'd be like, okay, I have to get shots doing everything. And the more you do it, you realize, okay, I can just get a certain amount of shots and that'll probably get me this amount of videos or I can line it up, like you said, with the storytelling you need to have. Well, I need to have an idea of what I want the outcome to be before yeah. I go into it. Otherwise, I find it very, very hard to live in the moment when I'm traveling. That's that's definitely the trickiest part for me. So I wish I had more of your your free spirited attitude because your content <laughs> is killer too. After Thank watching you for calling it free spirited and not chaotic. <laughs> Um, yeah, like the way you guys put together your videos, I really love how they're, they're, they're super laid back yet. They're very informational. You kind of have a mix of vlog style with the actual destinations and, you know, you really give the value still at the end of the day and what people would want to see or do in that country. How long did it take you guys to really nail down your style of videos? Well, I think, and this kind of ties back into the being okay with chaos question, but our, you know, our background is um, working in media, in production, mainly film and, and TV production. So both Mark and I, with that background, I think are used to a high intensity, kind of high pressure, high stress situations where you have no idea what's coming or, you know, I used to be a, a host on live TV. Like you just don't know what to expect. So you kind of just have to get used to rolling with it and, um, and not knowing what's going to happen, but knowing that it, it will be fine um, and, and kind of working while under pressure. So I'm sure that that helps when we're on the road kind of juggling, you know, these shifting priorities <laughs> and with our style I think that's part of it too um having this uh you know production background and and you know being being able to to sort of quickly see a story um and and be able to capture it and and I'm lucky with Mark and I that you know it's not just me it's it's the two of us so we can tag team something and we each have a camera and in five minutes with two people you get 10 minutes of footage you know what I mean so we're lucky to have that that team because um obviously one person you're more limited to what you can actually capture and even though you know I joke about not planning of course we work really hard so <laughs> I don't want to give the impression that it's um you know not a lot of um work and effort we love 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 doing it but as you know um to create to create videos takes a, a long time. <laughs> a long time. I find yeah. travel videos especially take me the longest to do. Really? Well, obviously they take longest to film because you're out and about and having to capture all of those shots. But I find they also take me the longest to edit because you really mm. are trying to piece together that story and figure out where things should go and line everything up properly. Whereas, I don't know, other like sit down videos I'm doing where I'm just giving advice. I can sit down and film that and then cut it up easy peasy you know but with travel it really really is about that storytelling yeah well funny to go back to the Taiwan trip um we Air Canada had asked if on our way home we could stop in Vancouver to go to um like a press briefing where it was a, a dinner with a media presentation with a bunch of people and show part of the video that we made and so we did that and of course that meant there was a deadline to have the video finished so that they could show it at this event and um, the, where we ended up being able to actually edit and cut the footage was in the Philippines. And 
we were in El Nido, which is the island of Palawan, and didn't realize, again, this is where <laughs> not uh, always having time to plan can be hilarious, um, that there are really bad internet problems in El Nido. And, um, and not only internet, but power. And so I, I'm laughing about it now, but we were trying to put this, this I think it's over 20 minute long, you know, video together, and the power kept going out. Oh my gosh. So, yeah, the, the power kept going out, so the internet kept going out, our Airbnb didn't have a generator, and it was so hot, you know, the Philippines is so humid, we were sitting there, like, in our bathing suits with our laptops at, like, 10, four percent trying to squeeze the last bit of battery life out it's so you know it's so much fun <laughs> to do it especially with mark you know because you're just laughing at how you've put yourself unwittingly in this situation <laughs> life on the road <laughs> and and i ended up love i love that video so um yeah your taiwan you know, video was amazing oh thank you it was so well done i had to call it falling in love with taiwan because that exactly summed up how i felt being in taiwan i don't know about you but i just loved it so much yeah um, kyle and i both said after we left we're like we want to go back 110 percent yeah, yeah. And the end of that that story about making it in el nido is that we we ended up leaving that Airbnb not because of the power outages, but because a huge scorpion decided to come in and bunker with us. So. Oh my god, no thanks. <laughs> it no, was the size of you. at least the size of my hand. Oh my gosh. Yeah, that's not for me. <laughs> I'd love to know too, what is your favorite place ever, ever that you've traveled to? Oh my god, that is such a that's like asking your favorite song. <laughs> yeah, I know. You can name Depends a few. What you ask. <laughs> Okay, well, I, I think I'd have to say Iceland because, um, and I'm biased, but because it's where my, you know, my family's from on my mom's side and where I met Mark, uh, I have to I have to say Iceland because I have so many special connections to it. And it's the first place that I went where it felt like home, even though I had never been which is a really incredible feeling. And I, I can remember if I close my eyes now, looking out the window of the plane. Oh, it almost makes me feel emotional actually. Aww. But looking down at the ocean and seeing these, you know, volcanic black craggy rocks kind of stretching out like fingers into these crazy waves and just feeling this immediate, you know, visceral connection to the land and then landing on that land and, you know, meeting Mark, who I didn't realize would end up becoming my partner. I, I can just see it so clearly. And, you know, Iceland is like a different planet. Um, and it's become really popular now <laughs> as, a, as a destination. It, it wasn't before, but it really is like going to another planet with the different colors and, you know, so many different shades of green and black and blue and gray. And it has this really raw beauty. Um, that I think is hard to find anywhere else in the world. I feel it a bit in the highlands of Scotland, um, but just that really raw beauty that, you know, untamable and you love it for it. Yeah, you can tell like your passion for travel that just shines through <laughs> when you speak. I love it. I love it. I guess if I almost get teary talking. No, I know for sure. Cause I felt the same way. I had such a 
like a yearning to go visit Europe for so, so long. I feel like one of my past lives, so I was European or something. And I remember flying into Heathrow Airport into London and peeking out the window, I could see like um, the Tower Bridge and the London Eye. And I remember my, te- my eyes like welled up with tears because I was so excited. And I just had that feeling of peace and excitement and just so happy to be there. So I can definitely relate to what you were saying. It's nice to just chat with people who are so passionate about travel as well, because it's one of my biggest passions in life too. Where's a place you would suggest for a new traveler to visit? Like where has been super easy to get around or, you know, less of a language barrier, anything for a new traveler that would be an easier place to get started? That's a good question. Um, Well, if you're worried about language, then, you know, there are lots of far-flung places you can go that you know, where English is the first language, we're just talking about New Zealand or Australia where we live for a while. Um, there's lots of jokes about how, you know, you get on a plane for 16 hours and then you get to the place and they still speak English. <laughs> so it, feels yeah. like, it, it could be a little bit strange, but um, both of Australia and New Zealand are absolutely gorgeous countries with so many beautiful um, places to see and and different things to experience. It's really far to go, on the other hand. Um, but once you get there, I think your comfort level would be quite high because culturally, you know, they're comparable. But again, getting there can be quite expensive. And it is, you know, it's a far way. So if that's less comfortable for you, um, Europe, I think Western Europe is probably a great place to start um, if you kind of lean more towards wanting to go to some European destinations. Southeast Asia, if you want to um, go to that part of the world is, you know, there's so many other tourists there. And if you stick to kind of the backpacker trail, you're going to meet so many um, other travelers. And I think feel very comfortable and safe. So I found it very English friendly there too, actually, like everyone spoke some English and we got around fine no matter where we were in, uh, right. in Southeast Asia. Well, there's, there's, when tourism is that big, um, you know, yeah, lots exactly. of people and street vendors are going to speak at least enough English to communicate uh, with you to get your, your delicious food. So <laughs> I'd say probably Western Europe or Southeast Asia would be amazing places to go. Where, like spinning off of that, have you guys ever made any big mistakes while traveling or major lessons learned that you're like, oh my gosh, I would never do that again. Or that was so (laughs) stupid of us. (laughs) Oh God. Yes. I'm sure. (laughs) I have to think for a second. Oh, there's so many, so many times when we, but you know, the thing is you have to expect things to go wrong because they will. And it doesn't matter how many countries you've been to or how much time you spent on the road, things will always go sideways. (laughs) Or just straight up upside down, like a worldwide pandemic. So, you know, you you have to be prepared for things to go wrong and then try to keep a sense of humor when they do. I think that's so important. And, you know, Mark and I are very good at kind of laughing at just how ridiculous certain situations become. Right. I saw your it- Finland video with your boiled eggs that were, <laughs> oh my God. That were actually not boiled eggs. <laughs> Quick recap for anyone who didn't see that video. We were in Northern Finland and Mark took some, um, or I did, I don't can't remember, took some boiled eggs from the breakfast buffet because uh, on a budget, healthy protein. So we took some 
some eggs that turned out to be soft boiled and they exploded in his pocket. And the same thing happened over and over again. (laughs) That's too funny. And that's just one of those things too, where you have to like laugh it off because you're often so exhausted too, when you're traveling and things like that can easily make you snap, but you have to just have patience and laugh it off. It's so true. And I mean, of course, you know, you get frustrated at times, um, but you just have to keep keep your sense of humor and know that this will be an amazing story later. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. And what are your go-to travel equipment? Like what cameras do you guys use? What do you suggest for someone who's maybe interested in starting travel as a creator or someone who, you know, I guess if you're just traveling for fun, any point and shoot's fine. But for someone starting out as a creator, what do you guys suggest as as camera equipment? I think it's important to remember that it's not about how big or expensive your equipment is. It's really about you and your storytelling and just being yourself. So having a, a really nice camera isn't going to change that. Um, you know, it enhances it, of course, but you don't need to spend a lot of money. We We have had different kind of iterations of our gear pack um, over the years since we really started this full-time traveling in 2017. Um, Because our background is production, we started out traveling with a really nice production grade camera that was huge. You know, you can't see, but it's like a fish story. I'm holding my hands out like two feet. (laughs) It was enormous. And it was so, it was not easy to travel with. Um, And so we, we've been downsizing all along. And so our latest trip to Europe, we had a uh, a Panasonic GH5 and um, a Canon G7X Mark II, which is a very popular vlogging camera. Yeah, I use that too. I love that camera. Yeah. And it has, you know, it's very, um, I think it's a good entry price point and it's very, very user-friendly if you don't know a lot about um, handling cameras and frame rates and all that stuff. It's, it's has a flip up screen. So it's really good. I think that would be probably my top recommendation for a new vlogger, not just even for traveling. Um, and I like that it's really discreet for travel vlogging as yeah, well. Yeah, you can just because, pop it in your pocket or... Yeah, you know, when you're not, you don't want to draw a lot of attention or get in people's faces or make anyone uncomfortable, obviously it's it's easy to just put in your your back pocket so we have that we have um a drone a small mavic what's it called the mavic um mavic pro is that the one yeah the pro 2 i think it's called yeah we have a small one also which is handy for traveling because with traveling i mean you don't want to be checking your camera equipment either either you want it to all fit in your carry-on so having things that are compact or being able to pack it up in a compact way is so important yeah we used to have a phantom 4 Pro, which took up an entire backpack. Mm. And so this time we could get all of our gear in one backpack, including the drone, which was amazing. Because uh, we also have a, um, a GoPro and uh, sometimes we even shoot on our iPhones. If our cameras die, then iPhones, you know, if you already have a phone that you can take video on and you just want to kind of give it a try, I'd say just use your phone, you know, yeah. just to get started. I think that's that's the best thing you can do. Just get started and and start learning how to edit and use the programs and the storytelling is the biggest thing. Mm-hmm. So if you just get going, I think that's the hardest part. And another thing I'd love to ask is how how would you recommend someone even get into travel vlogging or travel blogging in the first place because I feel like once again people think you need to go on these big extravagant trips to be able to get all that content or 
I don't know. I feel like that's a tougher industry to break into rather than someone just sharing their beauty routines at home in their room or something like that. Traveling, you really do kind of have to have a little bit of money to get started or or maybe you don't. I don't know. I'd love to hear your your take on that? Well, I would say spend your money on, and this goes back to your last question, spend your money on your travel, not your gear. <laughs> That's a much better return. <laughs> um, I think you don't have to overthink it too much. You know, um, of course, traveling does take money, but I think it takes a lot less money than people think. Um, you know, there are ways that you can get started doing things like being an au pair, you know, going to live in Europe and on your days off, you know, you walk around whatever city you're in or you take trips on the train and you vlog that way. And that's a way that you can see a lot of things without, you know, getting yourself into debt. I would never recommend somebody, you know, max out their credit card to, to get started. But I think there are ways that you can get creative uh, with vlogging that, you know, you really don't have to save up so much. It depends obviously how long you're going to be on a trip for. If you're planning to do around the world trip or you're, you know, you're going for six months or a year, then definitely you want to have a good, um, nest egg to go on. But I think there are a lot of ways that you can make travel more affordable that people don't necessarily think about because, you know, if you have, um, a job where you have two weeks vacation, then on that two weeks, you're going to want to make the most of it and go to nice restaurants and, you know, stay at nice places and, you know, whatever. And, and so your budget matters a lot less, but when you have to stretch it over a longer period of time, you know, you're going to Europe for four months or something, you can still do some of those things, but not every day or every night. And I personally think that's wonderful because it forces you to find places that probably people are going to on a more regular basis. You know, I, I love the idea of going to, um, you know, uh, to get street food or, you know, going to a Michelin restaurant like we did on the Taiwan press trip and just trying to get a sense of, of both ends of the, the spectrum. When it, and that's not just for food, but for, for everything. Um, so I think you just have and, yeah. to, exactly. Yeah. And entertainment, like there's always ways that you can find to have fun, um, without spending a lot of money, or at least I think so. <laughs> yeah, no, definitely. And as you mentioned earlier in the episode, just walking around a city is one of the yeah. best things you can do. Or, um, last time I was in New York city, Kyle and I just rented bikes through central park. I think it costed us $10, but it was so much fun. And one of the highlights of my trip, just getting outside oh, and doing so something, nice. being able to explore on a bike. So yeah, there yeah. are those more inexpensive ways you could do things. And I guess even just starting off fresh, as we mentioned with the whole COVID, you know, getting to explore your own backyard a little bit or doing travel guides for your own city or surrounding areas and things like that. I guess that's a good way to break into the travel scene as well and then start getting noticed and then start expanding from there. For sure. Um, and, and that's such a good point because, you know, you're, you're an expert on where you live really more than yeah. someone who's a, a tourist would be. So you're the best person to be putting together a vlog about your hometown or your home city or your home country. So that's a really great suggestion to make, make content where you are and then sort of move, <laughs> move out from there. Slowly move out. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> awesome. Um, yeah, that's pretty much all I wanted to ask you. Yeah. If you wanted to share your, your social handles with everyone, where can we find you? Yeah. Well, are 
YouTube channel is my name. It's Eileen Eldest, and I'll spell it because it's not common. They're not common names. Eldest is actually Icelandic. So Eileen is E-I-L-E-E-N, Eldest, A-L-D-I-S. So I'm Eileen Eldest on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all those things. The whole nine yards. <laughs> the whole nine yards. Yeah, you guys definitely have to go check her out. Her stuff is amazing and major wanderlust inspo. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Well, we made, a, we made a lot of videos during that last trip to Europe. So luckily, you know, at this moment, we still have a ton in the... Um, in the backlog. In the backlog. So. That's the best <laughs> be- thing to do, honestly. If you can backlog content and then just slowly release it, because I feel like when people start making content or they, they have that intention to start making content, they just post one thing and then you're constantly trying to catch up and catch up. Whereas if you have that backlog of content, you're good to go. And in situations like this that no one ever really saw coming, you have something to fall back on and continuously post. So true. All right. Well, thank you so much. Thank you for having me. It's so nice to talk travel again. So I know. <laughs> thank I you know. for that.